0: Welcome to Two Four Seven Real Talk. This is your host Julian Perry, and for this episode, I'll be speaking with someone from the entertainment industry about careers and making it from the bottom to the top. I'll be right back with the one and only William Big Sleeps Stewart. Well, good evening, William. Welcome to 247 Real Talk Podcast. Thank you for joining me for this episode. It's uh, just after 11 p.m., uh, Wednesday, July 28th, on the eastern side in New York of the United States of America. How are you this evening? Good, man. I'm
1: good. here.
0: Yeah, you're lucky. I mean, it's past bedtime here, but... <laughs> Um, you are in Canada, just to let my audience know, that's, that you know, explains the time difference, because they might think you're in California, too. So,
1: go ahead. back to
0: Great. So, this is going to be an entertaining conversation, I can already tell. Um, and, you know, in, in Real Talk, a 247 Real Talk, this podcast is around, you know, just... Truth and real talk about every or anything that impacts lives, helps lives, brings uh, people's story to an audience, you know, empowers, gives other people hope and direction. So I, you know, it goes across many different topics, and this is going to be an entertaining one because I don't think I've ever had someone who's gone through the you know, the whole rap career thing and the acting. So why don't we start off by you telling my audience something about William Stewart. William Stewart,
1: I'm I'm very optimistic. Um, I like to have fun. Um, I think I'm funny. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) At the end of the day, I just, you know, I I had to grow and learn and, you know, kind of treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, which is something my mother always instilled in me. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm only human. I get angry like everybody else, you know, but you have to be just kind of learn to just find the good in people until they show you wrong.
0: Well, let, let's go a little further back about this. Let's talk about your childhood because before the episode started, you and I were chatting about, you know, the art, you know, where your parents are from and the kind of, uh, Bit of Caribbean blood that runs through you, so why don't you start off from there?
1: Well, my mother is from Grenada, <laughs> you know, and uh, my father's from uh, Trinidad. My mom is like, I mean, I, she's one of the funniest people on the planet. And, you know, people always say, you know, I love my West Indian people because if you grow when you grow up West Indian, there's a certain amount of nonsense that goes on that when you see it, you just laugh about it when you get older. And they have certain ways of uh, of the way you're being brought up about, you know, funny things like your shoes have to be a certain way at the front of the door where you grow up <laughs> because they'll wake you up about your sleep to fix your shoe. And that was my mom, you know what I mean?
0: So Yeah, I, I got West Indian parents too, so I you know, I I I right I, away felt that in common. But you were born where?
1: I was born in Toronto, in Toronto,
0: Canada. Okay. And, um,
1: and my father was, um, at the time, he got a job in, um, in New York at Bank Paribas in Manhattan. And then I uh, believe when I was um, about nine years old, um, all of our paperwork came in and we were able to move to New York. And um, yeah, I lived in Brooklyn. And I'm trying to think. I mean, I went to, uh, I know I went to PS211, but I'm just trying to figure out the school that was across the street. So I lived in um by closing closing the over by Fairfield Towers. So, um good so and, and um yeah, I mean just grow well, you see growing up West Indian and then you grow and also growing up in Canada, which is a multicultural melting pot and then moving to New York,
0: you, you your mind just
1: opens up so much. So um yeah, as a kid growing up West Indian, you know, in a strict household too. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, so that, that brings me to my next thought that is your earliest, um, entry into the entertainment industry was because of your, your attraction to, or you can, you can change that adjective as you see fit, but your attraction to, or your, your, um, to rap. And I'd like to hear about that because I don't know, you know, it, it was, I found it, I, my rest in appearance are a lot older and I found it, um, very difficult to, to, figure out in my mind how you were able to sell your parents on rap, Parents in West Indies.
1: Oh, are you kidding me? They, they were, they, didn't, like, they were happy about the big things I wanted to I was like, my mom was always just like, I don't understand why you're, you're playing all that butchabacha, 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 butchabacha. <laughs> That's why <what> I grew up with she would say that. But I mean, I think there was a point where, um, you know, you, it's just fun when you're doing it and then, I, you know, you're doing it and then you have to listen to Oh, you're making all that noise. Are you gonna go pick up a book and read, man? Yeah. Read.
0: famous words. Yes.
1: But they'll add the S, but you're stupid. <laughs> but, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> so you decided. Yeah. At what age was this this whole uh, yearning for rap?
1: Um, I think what well when I really started kind of taking it serious was like I think when I was 15. Because before that, it was like I moved from New York to to Canada. And there was a lull in music. There was like a, like a good six, eight month lull to get stuff into Canada than it was to hear when you, when you from the U.S. So when I got to, when I first was in, before I actually moved to, um, New York, um, one of my homegirls, she had went over to Buffalo and she came back with this record. And I'm like, she's playing it in class and show and tell. I'm like, what is this? And it happened to be new edition candy girl that just the 45. And I was just haunted by it that I had to go I I bar with. You know, I, just, I promise I won't scratch it. So that was my real love because, I mean, you know, in Canada, people don't realize, especially back then, and it still got a little vibe of that still now, it's beer, hockey, rock, and roll. It's what you had to grow up with until it's, until you spotted beer, hockey, rock, and roll. And you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um,
0: But that new edition was not, was not, was well, not, you know, what we would call a drop. I mean, they had a, uh, nah, uh it was just,
1: R and B but you have to remember it's like like my girls like candy, a candy cheese She knocked me right up off <laughs> Little Rap the rap was kind of what drew me to the song itself. And I'm i I'm a lover of R and B okay. and hip hop. At at the young age of like I believe I was eight or nine when I heard it and then we moved to New York and then I came to New York and it was just everywhere. You WBLS BLs you're listening to Red Alert, you're listening to like it was crazy. I was like, "What is this place?" And I, all I knew was I was begging my mom to so get me this, the Walkman, the Sony Walkman with the radio and the cassette player. And like I was <laughs> just because I needed to hear, I needed to hear all those shows. I needed to hear the Red Alert show. I needed to hit, hear even back when they had a show called The Quiet Storm that played all the slow Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I missed that. yeah.
1: you know so. For me, it was just, and I was hearing so much stuff. Like, as a, you know, you're growing up, you hear the kid Capri's, you hear all these. But And, I, and this is like such an early stages of music where, you know, I fell in love with it and I started wanting to rap. And the, actual, the reason why I actually got into rap because I knew all the, the um, you know, um, Big Daddy Kane stuff. You knew, I knew all the Coogee rap. I knew all those songs. So when, and then when I was 15 and I had left um, New York and I went back to, to um, Canada. And I knew all those rhymes. And those and people up here still hadn't heard them. So I was like, rapping these rhymes, and people thought it was mean. Girls started liking it. I was like, yeah, that's me. I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, girls were happy. But I was like, yeah, I wrote that. And then it became a thing where it's like, let me try it. And there was this dude named AOK out in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Because cause obviously I was getting in trouble as a kid. Um, at 15 years old, and that was around that time where oh, that whole Bernard Getz thing went down on a train, and everybody at that point, I think that was what, when everybody all of a sudden started looking for firearms. It was just a, a time when that it was, I felt that switch. You know what I mean? And um, everybody was getting themselves in trouble, and my mom was like, nah. I mean, I had gotten in trouble for um, beating up this kid, and she was just like, nah, you out, you, you out of here. So... Um, You know, which is crazy because dudes that I used to run with, like, there used to be a crew of us, like six, seven of us, and like five of them went to jail within the the year and a half that I had left. So I would have been involved in something and caught up, you know, in something what they was doing. So I feel like, you know, the blessing is at one point, but I mean, for me, you know, that was kind of one of the first kind of rhymes I wrote because it was like the homies got locked up. And I was like, what the fuck? And like, excuse my language. But um I was like, yo, this is this crazy because we were kids, we were babies. We were like fifteen years old, sixteen years old. So, you know, by the time, you know, catch and been and then get in charge for like having like big man charges, it's not good. So I, I kinda wrote a rhyme and this dude A O K had a radio show and I used to roll with him and carry his records and, and just kind of was just, I was kind of intrigued and he was kind of one of the big deal rappers up in um, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada and at the time. And then I just started, I just decided to write something. And he was like, you wrote that? And I was like, yeah. He was like, no seriously, you wrote that? I was like, yeah, I wrote that. And because of growing up in New York, I had a real East coast vibe. Because I love like people like Kooji rap, you know, and then there's, um, you know, you have, uh, Studgy Fresh, Slip Rick. I, I was more like a a storyteller rapper. But if you wanted me to get in, like you know, what I mean, you wanted me to start eating, I could, I could really just write some stuff and really about your mama and, and just really get in you. <laughs> so you know, um, he was he's like, yo, for real, he, he, he was impressed. And I was just doing it for fun. And then because he was recording, he just was always bringing me to the studio with him too. And I kind of did did that. And I mean, I was getting everybody started liking it, so I was like, i gonna do it. And as the long as the girls liked
0: it, I was like, I'm a rapper. <laughs> so how did you actually break into, because I see here, you were a street rep for BMG, um, you know, and you were into marketing and promotion, so how did you really break into the rap industry, and what did you do once you were in the industry? What did you produce? Well, well I
1: was always one of those, who was like a go getter? Like, I've never been like, and I believe that's just because of the New York hustle that's instilled in you as a kid. So instead of waiting for something to happen, you always, I was always the one to kind of make things happen for myself. Um, so um, getting back to doing music, and then I hooked up with a, a dude named Justin Ryan and um, Roger Moo King. If you watch the food channel, that dude, Roger Moo King, who does all the barbecue stuff. Um, he's actually, he was in our group. He was in the rap group, uh, back in the day. And, um, we just had this rap group called the Maximum Definitive. And we were bubbling out here in, in Canada. And, uh we got a lot of recognition. And then, like anything else, you know, people start going their own separate ways. It's trying to do solo projects. And then, um, I kind of got, put, um, put on when it came to BMG because of a dude named Saul Guy. And there was a group out here called The Rascals in Canada and they were one of the groups that kinda have grew up at that time. But I met them before they had grew up and they had to deal with BMG and everything else. So Saul then um uh, worked his way to being to be the and AR. A- like he was kind of the street like uh he was like a, a I wouldn't say A and R it's more like the street promoter. He was in charge of urban. They brought him in to be in charge of Urban because they were op- they're opening up an urban firm. So I started learning about marketing promotion because of that opportunity relationship I have with Saul, and I had just happened to be moving to Edmonton at the time, I'm back from Vancouver to Edmonton, and he was like, yo, I need a rep out there, and like, I bet, so him giving me that job, I, I created Club Night, and then I created um, an avenue when I was like, there was, uh, was a, D, uh, a DJ named PJ the boy who was out in Calgary, because that was in Calgary about two hours away, so then PJ started teaching me, he's like, yo, let's bring in acts," and then what we could do is we could start, um, Bring them in, do them at our club night. We've got the we'll think of the BMG artists, but then we'll start them from Vancouver and then we'll run them all the way across, the Can- uh, across Canada to Toronto. Every promoter wants we figure out how much it would cost for them to get from A, B, C, and B. Um, we'll just split the cost for travel. So put them in a van, fly them out to Vancouver, the we'll put them in a van, get from Toronto, and fly back and drive back to Toronto, from Toronto and do vice versa. So that kind of led my eye. I could open my eyes, like I could make money. I could do this. I could, I could open for some of these shows. I could, you know what I mean. So it kind of put me in a good position to get the notoriety um, and just really fall in love with it. And then the actual, um, the actual, you know, climate has changed with CDs, CDs and stuff like that. And then the digital age came in with Napster and all that. So a lot of people lost their jobs. So, I was just about to get signed by, by, with uh, Universal and d Um, when I was in a group with, um, my boy, uh, Moto Blizzy and, um, this dude Charlie, picked that we were called Half Black Italian. So, cause I was black, Moto was half, and so Charlie was Italian. So, I was like, what kind of, Moto was like, what kind of group name? Cause we were trying to find a group name. What kind of group name are we gonna come up with? When there's a, a black dude, a half black dude, and an Italian dude. And I sat there and I was like, right i hung up the phone with him. I'm sitting there. And I'm like, man, half black Italian, and I just thought, yeah, I have black Italian. So my marketing kind of helped me kind of come with the thing for the group. And um, after a while, I you know, we kind of really did our thing, and we just started. I just started noticing the climate was changing, so I started working with artists as far as like I'm on the management side as well, being an artist. And I just kind of started thinking like, yo, there's got to be a point where you just gotta, you just gotta like switch gears. Because it costs money to be in the studio. You gotta have a job in order to do that, or you find yourself doing things that aren't really, you know, society doesn't look <laughs> so cat It's like, you know, noble. And then when you put kids involved and things like that, I really needed to, uh, um, you know, yo, know, I gotta bounce, man. I'm just playing. The silence I'm But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I you know I, for me I you know it was like that mom my mom's and really you know she was always my biggest fan whether it's music or whether it's from um, film television but there was a point where I was you know managing and just kind of looking at it going like yo I'm starting to get older now you got to really think like you know you got you got to think of what what your career is gonna be so I was like alright I gotta switch it up and so it ended up being I fell in love with acting. But I always knew that with acting, and if I could produce movies and I could work on stuff, I could always be around music. Um, so I had a couple opportunities where I wrote um, a song with Ian Carey and Ray J, and, you know, multiple artists. You know, you do some ghostwriting. and I, I mean, I like those checks that just show up. I don't care if you, my name is Billy Bob on the thing. I don't care. <laughs> if you don't want me to be, you want me to ghostwrite, I'll be a ghost and carry collect those checks. But um, I, I met a lot of cool people along the journey. And then, after a while, I kind of had to make a choice because it wasn't the same when you had the homie that was willing to get, like, really understood your, your journey and willing to put that money into sign. Or, you know, so now somebody else comes in, they got a different vision. And it's always like weird how to, that you could have people in a position to see what you're doing, but they sign people where you're like, what what were you smoking? Because I need to find who that dealer is because I, I, I didn't even understand what you were thinking. So you must have been mad high to think that this was even an option. And film and television kind of in my life. It was just, um, you know, I, I love, I love, I love music. So I always felt because if I went into film and television, I'd never be able to lose music. Because you got to create, you know, you, you know, before Charlie Chapman and all of them, there was music. Even <laughs> before they was talking, you know, there was music. So I was, I just always thought of things like that. Like I said, I'm an optimist. So if I found something that gave me a reason to keep pushing, I, I just kept pushing. So that's where before, um, you know, when it came to music, and I still talk to a lot of a lot of people, and you know, every now and then I'll get the call, that like you know, hey man, what's up? What are you doing? Like yo, I'm gonna write this track, and you know, there's a couple songs on the radio that are like right now they're still eating where I couldn't make it to the studio, and i was like, damn, I couldn't eat like extra, extra. But, you
0: know, I believe everything happens for a reason. Okay, so you had, you went through that, and, and in many cases, people who get into that industry, um, for, I think in most cases, they stay as rappers, they um, make a career late into life as rappers or they retire as rappers, but um, you made a segue. You got full-blown into movies. Tell us about that.
1: It was funny because I, w- I was actually setting up a tour at the time. It was called the Off the Hooked tour, and uh, Diddy was Diddy was um, about to launch a website called Hook, and we were talking with them, and um, I believe, and he was about to before something had happened, but we were always just about to sign the deal to to use the the Hook um, a, a tour bus. And have it wrapped the cook and then something, something just something just didn't go right. I think it, I think it had something to do with the dude who was helping to put the thing together because a couple of things happened along the way where we were like, oh, very questionable. But then, um, I mean, but I mean, I know it was real because things, you know, messages were coming back and forth, and I was seeing emails. And, and um, at that point in time, we when we were on on the road, and I came back, I was just kind of you know. If, if you're not aware of your surroundings, I think that's one thing about growing up in New York that taught me was like, you have to know when you walk in a place, how many people are in there. Does this dude look like he would shoot the place up? Or he with his girl? Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> just in case. So you, I was always one that kind of knew your surroundings. I would always think about, okay, well, this obviously, because you got to think of it like stock. If the stock is losing money, what do you do? You sell it at this point or you wait for it to. So, I would always think about, okay, what's plan B? So, um, that basically for me, when the transition for that was after we had come off that tour, and I started doing background work. I just started, like, my boy called me and said, Yo, we're doing background work. And I was living in Victoria, BC at the time before I came in, and then I went back to Vancouver, and he was like, Yo, I'm like background work. Yeah, we can all just be, they're looking for black actors, like black, black people for this, this uh, movie to be extras. And I had never been on the set like that. So I kind of was like, all right, I'll come, to can make some paper. So I'm trying to think of ways to make money. And I kind of was there and, um, there was this dude called Terry David Mulligan. He was on, he was on like the Canadian, um, much, he was on the, it's called Much Music, but he was on the Canadian, like MTV. And I knew Terry from just doing other projects and, and things like that. And he had introduced me to Martin Short. And Martin Short and LL and them was shooting La La Wood ll and loud, was just Timlake and I think they think I think they were all in Lala with I think that or no or is this Martin short or, I can't remember
0: I can't remember either. But.
1: and and um he had issues to Martin short and um Martin short just looked at me and he just assumed I was an actor and I had because I had said like you know I, I wouldn't mind doing this like like figure out some acting and then he just Martin short just kind of just we just and Martin Short was like, yo, I like your vibe, man. You got a really good look. And then Martin Short had no clue I ain't acting today in my goddamn life. So <laughs> so I was like, he's introducing me to directors and all kinds of people. And I was like, what is going on? And it just kind of was one of those things where, you know, when it feels right, and I just knew I had to kind of dig in a little bit more and maybe find out doing a little, a little more things with acting. And then I started doing interviews for a TV show. Called Zed on CBC. So I would interview people like De La Soul and all those people when they came into town. And my cameraman, his name was Cosmo Me, Cosmo likes writing short films and short. So he'd get me to play like the judge and he'd get me to do. So I wasn't afraid of cameras because they were always in my face. And I'm like, yo, you know, I was always told by teachers, you keep acting a fool, you're going to amount to nothing. So I'm just trying to make a list for all those teachers who talk that nonsense so I could send them something. But uh, <laughs> but uh, Cosmo was the one that kind of really made me feel comfortable more in front of the camera, outside of the interviews, because he'd always ask me to play this person in the short films. So I was real comfortable with just anything when it had to do with a camera or microphone or whatever. And I had dropped a friend off, and this was kind of like after doing like background work and thinking I'm gonna get back into music, and then um, I was like, you know what, homegirls like yo. Um, I got this audition, and he, can you can you drop me off at the audition? And I was like, well, mm, Yeah, I could do it. So dropped off, and she was in the building. And at that time in in, in, in um <laughs> in Vancouver, like, um, I think there was maybe like you know, I, I maybe I'm I'm, I'm acting a fool, but there's I've only felt like there was nine to ten black people in town, and I knew four, five of them, right? <laughs> so. I always just happened to be parked. You know, you get Rockstar Parking. You go right on the front. And then a friend of mine, Dexter Bell, who plays my son, actually, in Torn Dark Bullet. And his brother, uh, Doran Bell. those were the two dudes that kept pushing me for years. Yo, get in the act. And I was like, nah, nah. And I finally did. And he came down the stairs from the audition place. He said, yo, you here for the football commercial audition? And I was like, nah. And he goes, you dressed for it. And I looked down, and I was wearing one of those Aniche or Anise um, 42 shirts. Remember back in the day, Aniche. Yeah. Me, right? So I was wearing one of those, it was 42. And he said, you're dressed for it. He goes, I'm going to see if I could if I could, um get you to audition. And I ain't going to lie, I was having my phone with some Mary Jane in the car or whatever. And so I had no fear at that point. And he came back and said, you should, they said you could, you can um, audition. I was like, all right. So I went up, had no headshot, no resume, they put me against the wall, took a picture. Um, next thing you know, I got a call back. So I was like, Girl's so like, hi. Um, this is this William? And I'm like, yeah, William. She's like, hi. You have a callback. A callback? Who? I ain't calling nobody. Like, <laughs> I, had no was, I had no idea what was going on. Right. So she's like, she's like, um, it's a callback, like where you um meet the director, audition again for the director. She's like, are you new to this? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. She's okay. folk. She so you go back and do the audition again for the director. And the client and and so on and so forth. I was like, well, what was wrong with the first one? Ignorant. I had no access. I was like, You want me to come back again to do the same thing I just did before <laughs> I You serious? Like, okay, well do I are have to wear the same clothes? She's like, uh, if you want to. So I show up in the same clothes that you know that <laughs> I go to and and I, and they said to me the reason why they even were coming back and had me do a call back is because there was a white dude on the right of me and there was a white dude a white dude on the left of me. When I stood there stood there and I said they said, you know, slate your name and I mean I listened but I didn't know what the slate was, so I heard this dude say his name and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So I was like, uh William Big Sleep Stewart and I guess I'm the token black guy. Because I had never had really had the side, so I didn't know what the character's name was. So I was just joking around being myself and, you know, I had no fear at that point. And they laughed. So I was back and then it, it ended up being between me and my boy, Dexter. We were the last two of the uh, picks. And, it, and Dexter told the cast, you know, give it to him. He needs it. He needs to get the credit to come in, to get into the union and start doing this thing. So, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of weird how everything works out. So what I did was, um, after I had booked it and the checks started coming in, and I think that day was crazy. I think I made, like, six Gs that day because I came in at, like, four... Something in the morning. And we didn't end till like one or two o'clock in the morning because they missed the dawn when I was supposed to shoot my scene, so they had to wait for the evening. But then it never came, and I was cheesed. I was cheesed to be there so long. You know what I mean? And at the time, I was doing my little thing, so I was like, "Yo, I'm missing out on a little one-two sales. And then the one of the other actors, he had his leg's call. He was hat, was reading the paper, really calm, and. I was like, yo, why are you so calm, man? He's like, bro, we're in triple overtime. And triple overtime to me meant like, $30. That's how to the fact of what money you can make in the field industry. So I'm like, I mean, you mean? come on, man, what is us We're making an extra, what, $20, $30? He's like, <laughs> he laughed at me, and I'm waiting for one of the pieces, bruh. We're making $386, and we've been making that for the last three hours. I said, excuse me. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me. Mm-hmm. Bro, I went to Crafty, sat my black ass down, and enjoyed the rest of the five hours of overtime that was sales and stuff, laughed, happy. And when I got the check, I was like, yeah, I'm an actor. I'm going to start taking acting classes. And I knew I had to do it. I just thought, I, you know, I had never received like a $6,000, $6, $7,000 check. US, on top of that, we're living in Canada. And then. I'm telling you that you're gonna have more coming. I was like, what the hell? So I, I was breaking off Dexter. Like I had an agent, so every time they sent me a check, I would take the check. I would take the fifteen percent, and I would give it to him. So
0: yeah, uh, it was kind of that's crazy. Good. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's a way to to give back. Yes,
1: Push you to do so, and then the fact that he, so he gave that up.
0: Yes, he,
1: me. So like, you know, I, I, that's, that's, a real, that's like a real homie. Like, And we know, like, I mean, if I don't have it, I'll find it to give to you and if you them, vice versa. So, and it was just, it was all because of that. Like, just like you got two homies who grew up with you. Because they were from, they lived in Edmonton too when I was doing the whole rap thing.
0: And Doran Bell's
1: a singer. And, you know, so it was just a lot of, it's just, you know, you think that, wow, now when I'm thinking about it, bro, I'm going to lie to you. I feel like I have tears welling in my eyes. Because I'm not like I always mention them in a thing but i it's really clear, like people who who kinda really help you. You don't you wouldn't have any of this. I wouldn't have any of the things that I have around me. So I gotta give them props. Text them, and
0: Well that's really important and that's and that's good of you to mention because there are you know, there each and every day there are people looking to get a leg up in the acting or the rap industry and We've we've evolved as human beings, and not in a good way. In that we tend to see someone else coming up, but we're so much for self that not only we don't we help them. In some cases, we look for ways to hinder them so that we can have more of the pie for ourselves. So that was really you know really human of you, so to speak. Um, But before we get into, and we're going to get into a little bit more about your some of your movies because the one that you mentioned, Torn, I saw the trailer and it was really, you know, it, it, was, it was intriguing enough that I wanted to see more. Um, I I didn't ask you from the beginning and I should have, but you have to tell us about the Big Sleeps part. The William Big Sleeps short. <laughs> that
1: actually happened. That actually came from actually going to uh, PS 211 where, you know, you're fighting, you know, like back then I was Mike Tyson era, right? So, you know, and I had to be eyes sleep guard and then I was a bully one time this dude tried to bully me and I knocked him out and I put him to sleep. So it kinda all just stuck together and then that was sleep. Your your sleeps put him to sleep. And that era when Tyson came out, man, catches getting knocked out. <laughs> that was the thing. That was the thing with the Tyson. And um I just kinda did my my dad always liked rock always wanted to really be a boxer growing up. Like, ain't nobody trying to punch me in my face and free that like, oh, I did. I tried it for a little bit and it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, why am I getting punched in my face? Don't <laughs> so make sense to me. You know? But um but
0: yeah I just So you held on to the name for the rest of your life. Did it did it did it well yeah that's, that's another question. Okay, so you had that name from PS two eleven. You know, what made you hold on to it?
1: i tell you, Big Sleeps, Big Sleeps, it, it, it was, first it, it was like Sleeps, and then I moved to Edmonton, Alberta, because like I said, my mom's like, yo, you gotta be out, you gotta go, like, you can't be here, you're gonna end up dead or in jail, and I, so when I got to Edmonton, you tell people your name, like, yo, what's your name, Sleeps, so as it kind of, Sleeps, it evolved to Sleepy, and girls were like, oh, yeah, um, like, I corrected a girl once, and I was like, so the girl I was kind of talking to, and she was like, I'm like, yo, um, it's sleeps, not sleepy. She goes, well, sleepy's cuter. And I said, you dumbass, do not argue. Sleepy's cutest, sleepy it cute, is. So I just left it. And then my boys, degree one, in Victoria, when we were doing a, uh, our club nights, and we were called the Dynamite Santa Cruz. Uh, myself, degree one, DJ D Wiz. Um, uh, DJ D Wiz is now producing for a group called Lynx. Um, but um, it was degree. He had changed my name because cause Puff had changed, Puffy had changed his name to Diddy. So he changed my name from Sleeps to Big Sleeps. I was like, yo, why'd you put it on the flyer? He's like, yo, Diddy, just everybody changing their names. I had to change the name up. And then it just stuck. So I was like, all right, whatever. And he, knew I'm, he knew I'm cool like that. I don't really wild out like, in that sense to be upset about stuff like that. So I was like, all right, whatever. I don't care. It's on the flyer. And it just stuck. Big Sleeps just kind of stuck.
0: Okay. So. so. You know, so let's right. let's let's get into yeah. the juicy part that I've been waiting on. And that is tell us about some of the bigger movies you acted in and, and and like I said, I saw the one um I think you said it was torn. I didn't I didn't remember as I was looking through your IMDB and yes. um mm-hmm. it was quite captivating the scene in the trailer. So tell us about some of the movies and some of the celebrities you acted with.
1: Oh wow. Um I'm actually quite spoiled from the, um, let me see. My first one was 50 50 with Seth Rogen and, um, and, uh, the squad gave me an opportunity to play like a, a Trinidadian, um, nurse. Like I, I was a, uh, like I was a black nurse, Trinidadian, and, um, they actually let me do that. And Like, but when I'm talking to Joseph Gordon, love it. Like, Andrew Luna, right this way, my baby. Like that kind of like, stuff, <laughs> and then, um, and then you know that as a scene as he's leaving, which I thought was cool, and, and that character was based off of uh, a character that the writer um, just really admired when he was out. And uh, ori- originally, they wanted to be Bay. He was supposed to be part of, from Bajin, and I was like, you know what? I go, if you're going to do that, then you should find somebody I can do Beijing. But they couldn't. They couldn't find somebody to be Beijing. So I was like, all right, well I could do this. I could do the training, or I can give you someone Canadian, I could can give you something that's close enough, but I'm not going to fake the funk when it comes to that because you're taking the job away from someone. So I said, let me just audition my part, and you guys to have an opportunity to hopefully find someone, and if not, then so that's how that whole thing kind of ended up me getting that role. But and then he said to me, he goes, you're probably the first person that kind of said I want the role, but I don't want the role. Find somebody. <laughs> So, I think there was more that they, 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 he said uh, when then uh, the writer was just like, he's like, I really just admire that about you. You weren't just trying to take something in from somebody else, leaving the door open. And he said, Yeah, we looked for a week and we couldn't find anybody that yeah, could really sell it to us that way. And I was like, You couldn't find one Beijing people, white people, damn. And I'm just joking. <laughs> but um, I was happy to have that opportunity. And um, so that was the first one of the first ones where I really started building confidence because Joseph Gordon Love it outside of it was just mad cool like you know you call him and it's just kind of weird to be able to be on the phone with people that you kind of always grew up with and, and you really paid attention to um, another another um, another group of people who I came across that were really um, I, I guess very instrumental in me really pushing to become an actor. Were the Waynes brothers? They were out here shooting uh, white chicks, and then they came back to shoot Little Man. When they came back to shoot Little Man, it was like that was the moment when I had told—I think it was uh, Keenan and them—that I wanted to be an actor, and I think Marlon and all. And they just kept telling me, "Yo, yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta just keep pushing. You gotta keep doing what you gotta do." And you know, um, and I was a PA at that time, so I was, in, and I, I, I was had to stand outside of uh, Keenan's. Uh, um, trailer to make sure nobody went in the trailer. So that was my job. And then I, at first I was like, why they okay? They looking out for, brother. I ain't got to do nothing. Nobody ain't saying doodle to me. Okay. I like it. This is it. Okay. And then um, I had a couple auditions and they would tell me to, you know, I would run my lines right there. I had opportunities to run and go and come back. And I think the greatest moment I feel like um, I think it was 2012 when um um Glover Danny Glover, I was running lines and he came over and he looked and he saw me running lines. was like, "Hey, my brother I it's good? Because you 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 go to you, you. Those are you're doing the scene with us?" And I was wearing, I was really wearing a PA bat. And was like, "I said, oh no no no, I have an audition later." He so said, "Let me see that." So he looked at it. He said, "All right, let me run the scene." He goes, "Ready?" Uh, yeah. He said, "And action. So I ran the lines with Danny Glover for about. Five, ten minutes, and then people were like, uh, "Mr. Glover, we're ready for you." He goes, yeah, give me two minutes. I'm right there. I'll be right there. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting so fired. I'm getting so fired from Daddy Glover. My like, black ass is dead here, and they want you to come to set. But I said, no, no, no. They want you to come to set. He goes, yeah, but you got to run this one more time because you need to do this part right here. You need to do this and um, really just think about it. Take a second. And then the line because it's, it's an emotional powerful and I was like wow and it, it made sense and then so that was that was a, a really cool very cool moment for me at that point in time and at that point you know I'm getting to, like I'm getting the one this is the first time I had something that was over like eight nine lines so I was kind of I was really nervous and I ended up booking it so it, it was a lot of the confidence like that. That, um helped me helped me build. And now I mean I've worked with Anna Gunn, David Tennant. um who else? Uh obviously with Coffee and that's on Netflix, Roger P. E. Henson, um King Batch, Ron Rico Lee, um man, uh, Betty Gilpin. Uh <laughs> it's just that um Jesus Christ. Um, now you got me on the spot. My brain is going so fast. David Allen Greer um, it was just dope. I didn't get to have scenes with him, but it was just dope for him to be in the movie. Um, two of Steven Seagal got like to work with him. You know, he'd cool. Well, every time he'd always forget my name, but hey, Slurpee, how you doing, man? Like, um, sleepy. That's what I said, man. Okay. <laughs> hey, Steven. he gonna kick me in my nuts. He's trying to trap me in my neck. We cool. And, um, but he was also the first one to give me my first leading role, Steven Seagal. I clown him. And I joke around, but, you know, he was the first one, you know, to be number four on a call sheet, which originally I was number three, but apparently black people don't sell overseas. So I ended up being number four. <laughs> so, But I was happy. I was so happy with the opportunity. And, um, you call, yeah, it was. Um, it, you, you, you called know, an
0: interesting the, name there. And he's not, um, probably many people wouldn't know him. Uh, people that look at movies and look at, you know, big time movies wouldn't really know the name, but I happen to know him because I followed him on um his kits on Instagram for a long time. King Batch.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Drew's a good you know he's funny. like you know you know, this dude, it didn't matter. Every time he was a break, he was working. He was doing something. Uh we shot a couple a couple of things when he was here. And um, there's one called Ghostwriter, and um, that's on YouTube. If you look at King Batch's Ghostwriter, I'm in that, back in the fool in the beginning of it too. But um, you know, you you look at somebody like him, and on a daily basis, I still feel I'm not doing enough because he's constantly working. Like he's, it's like nonstop. He has, he'd be on his computer doing some editing or doing something or shooting. Something on the weekend, and you know, we were just run around. You'd have know, an idea, and we want to shoot it. And then, um, uh, my boy, my uh, boy, Devin, my boy, Devin Ferguson ended up hitting them up, and they would, they did something. And, um, I did, um, uh, that's Daddy's daddies with Devin Ferguson. That's also on, um, YouTube, but that's but well, he's
0: you know, he's in he's in the United States, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's in LA.
0: Yeah, because LL. I, if I, if, and stop me when I'm wrong, but I, I think. I was surprised when I first saw him on the big screen because like I said, I followed him on Instagram and I think he's you know, he's part of a crew that I followed on Instagram. Um I think Day Storm, um um Liani V, Denise, they're all a group, um Woody, what's his name? They're they're all a group that started uh their careers via Instagram, which was quite different from how you started. Yeah, I
1: mean, was, I, mean I, I mean, go ahead. To be honest with you, for me, it was like when all that stuff was done, I was not tech savvy. So now I realize it's a lot easier than it was and I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was. But I think it was that fear of just not knowing, like, what the fuck, what, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. Ah, like that. Ah.
0: Yeah, because so there's, there's a lot of them who have made. Um, especially, um, the, the, the comedian ladies, um, um, what's her name? Um, I forgot her name. She just got married. They have a, a, something called Love and Slim. Jasmine, I forgot her last name, but she, she just got married to a basketball player. Um, had an amazing wedding, but she did everything via, you know, Instagram and these skits and they, and they're really funny. Um, guy that calls his name Tony Skits. Um, they all you know, like I said, they all did. And, and the ladies have gotten you know um, to be the spokesperson or the models for all these different you know brands and stuff. So they made it a different way. And I you know I don't know how you compare the difficulties. And the reason I'm bringing that up so much is because um a lot of up and coming stars and and are up and coming well to be stars use things like instagram and you you know that sort of thing to to get their work out because um i don't know much about the industry you know a lot more than me but it seems like breaking in and getting somebody to notice you and and growing and getting somebody to give you a chance you know is 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 uh, is sort of the luck of the draw at the time uh, at at times um my previous episode, like a couple of episodes ago when I um interviewed Eric Roberts, he kind of alluded to that that, you know, sometimes it's just the right place at the right time.
1: I I agree with that. I mean, you know, I, I look at the slides and I'd be like, this does not describe me at all. If you if you said handsome chubby black dude, I'd be like, okay, like I get it. Like I'm good. Like you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just, you look at the description and that was my biggest thing with my agent. I said, yo, do not look at the description. Look at what the character, to, like the character can do as far as where he stands. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Like, I mean, I, I booked Fear of the Walking Dead and the description of the character was Asian American male. And I said, just get me in the room. I'll do the rest. Right. And I booked because I got into the room. You know what I mean? A lot of the times I think people forget. It's like, if you go into the room and then just be yourself, like, I'll add sometimes a lot of some things in the, in, into every audition I, I do. But I respect the writer's material. So I will never take his stuff out unless it's something like, where it's like, like, Jesus Christ, Martin! I would never say that. Right. Never say that. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I would have to find a way to flip it,
0: right?
1: You what know, I'm like, like Jesus, are you serious, Martin? Jesus, but I'll flip it. I'll right. do it in a way that, that I'm respecting his his work, but I need to add a little bit of something that I would I would say, you know, where it's like you might be be out about the customer. You didn't say the whole thing, so it's still be able to be on TV. So <laughs> you just give him a little something, but I always feel, you know, the, the I go with, with my gut. You know what I mean? I, I really, and I don't care what people think. Like if you if, if I if I go out there and I feel like I did my best job and I and I, I showed up and I killed it, you know, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay if I don't book it or if I do book it because you know I just might not be the guy and have to look for the character they're looking for, but I'll I'm let you I'll make sure you remember me for the next time. So the next time the decision's already made. Let's get that dude again. Yeah, that sleep's guy. That big sleep guy. Yeah, let's get him. Because you gotta think of the future. You know what I mean? So I always feel like it can be luck in the draw. But you gotta put the work in. You can't be lazy. Like I here's here's my pet peeve. When so, people call me and be like, Hey man, yo, um yo, you killed it in that movie, man. And then I'm waiting for it. Cause then it's like, yeah, I've been thinking about acting, man. Anytime you got anything that you can hook me up with, Bro, I ain't hooked me up with shit. Use my language. But I, I didn't get hooked up. And I'm supposed to coast off for you to get hooked up? No, bro. I ain't putting on my, uh, uh-uh, I, I ain't doing that. Right. You need to, you need to be able, I, if you, if you really want to do it, put in the work like everybody else. Right. There is no homie I'ma hook you up. Put it in the work like everybody else. Because then I can leave coast co-star for you and be like, yeah, that's my boy right there. He's dope. Because time is money. And it's very, like, this industry is costing them more and more and more now. Right. So you can't just throw your homie here and it's like, and you ain't never acted in a thing in your life where I'm supposed to just hook you up? Like, no, there's no hookup,
0: bro. <laughs> there's
1: no hookup. Right. Like, so- none of my people I know got hooked up.
0: Right, then you can't, and, it, and it's it's your individual ability and how hard you work at it. Because you, even if you get a hookup when you get in the room, if you can't do what you're supposed to do, then it's a waste of time.
1: Yeah, and I and I, post, and I cosign you. That can't happen, man. Like right. you know, and that's that's the one thing that also too is like. And I don't want to sound like oh, you you a bad friend or whatever. No, I'm I'm trying to be the best friend that I could possibly be because if you go in there and you're corny, like you're done. Like, you're finished. Right. That's all they remember. That's all they remember. And then my name's attached to it. Now, I'm going to do you a favor and not let you get clowned. And I'm going to tell you, take this class, take this, day, to find yourself. Find who you want to be as an actor. Find what, what drives you to 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 make you feel like, wow, ah, okay, that was fun. Or, yeah, I, I killed that. So at least when we're, when we're both, like, I can work with you. I can show you stuff. I can be like, okay, let's run. I have some old sides. Let's run them. This is kind of what I did. But Don't think about what I did. Make it your own, and at least you're learning from that. But I ain't calling up talking to some talk little no director like, hey, let me talk to you for a minute. <laughs> you know, I got a homie right now. He ain't never asked me before, but I think he really played like number number nine, number eight on here. Like really, yeah, I think he could do it. Yeah, and yeah, I'm close to 15 pages. But I feel he could do it. No, I'm not doing that.
0: And that I'm makes me that before. makes sense too because. Um, Acting is, you know, you can't get into acting because of the money. You have to have the passion for it. It's not a, it's you know, it's not like for somebody goes to college and becomes an engineer because they say, well, you make a lot of money. That's that's a different type of business.
1: My, my homie, my homie hooked me up in the engineering
0: class. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we get to the end of this episode, tell me what's next for Big Sleeps.
1: Uh, to be honest, um, well, we got a, um, we have a, a, series. It's called Cloud Van Tales on, um, YouTube, and um, um, Uncle uh, Uncle No Picks with uh, Corporal AK out in New York. Um, I'll be doing a little uh, couple things with him. You know, that character's hilarious that he does. It's called Uncle No Picks Um, on Instagram. He's, and um, so I'll be working with him, working with Cloud Van Tales. We're gonna start doing season two. I'll be producer on that um, season two, and that that show, Cloud Van Tales, is just um, where um, there's three friends um, that run a, a medicinal marijuana shop, and um, I'm I just show up, and for some reason I haven't paid for my weed since the show started because something always happens and I always leave with it these dudes <laughs> they realize it after I leave is um, for those of the, I don't know people obviously if you do want to watch it I want to spoil towards the end but season 2 um, is, is a lot about my character and um, it's, it's hilarious it's, it's really funny you know um, Ryan did a great job of um, creating the show and writing it he, he brought me in and my first episode my first episode is called Seth Rogen so that's it's kind of cool that that and Seth has always has been really great to me over the years. With um, what is it? Um, Interview Fifty Fifty. Um, I also did um, Good Boys, and I believe um, he was a producer on um, Game Over Man.
0: So okay, and and where can people find all of your stuff? Because like I said, I went to IMDb, and you have. Um, quite a few pretty good uh performances there. So where can people find you? Where do we find all of your work? And
1: well, you can also you find things on IMDb. It's pretty much a lot of it is on different platforms. And now you got a lot of like um you know TV networks that are putting all those shows out now for just for people to stream. So just I mean you look for it. you can go to my IMDb page, William um, Big Sleeps Stewart. That's or you can follow me on Instagram. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not that dude, so I need as many followers as, as possible because I don't push as much as people. Keep telling me I'm like, man, I don't really care. I don't really know, no people give a goddamn about what I eat. Apparently, they do. So, <laughs> um so yeah, you can follow me at Big underscore Sleep on Instagram, and um, yeah, everything else you can find from there. And I also do a, a radio show myself every Saturday. And now since the, the pandemic, I've been doing it live on IG and you can follow at Hollywood North radio and um, I believe that you know we usually start now it's 11 till two, but we usually start you know black people's time quarter to 12 um, Pacific Standard Time <laughs> and we do what's good in sports and, and uh, I of interviews so yeah, so that's um, roughly around three quarter to three Eastern Standard Time.
0: Great, great, great so. It was really enjoyable speaking with you and and you sharing um not just knowledge on a high level but sharing with us your journey and something that's real and and many up and coming artists, both rappers and um up and coming actors can really relate to and understand um and i I think that's important, especially in certain communities where the struggle is harder than others because they don't have a friend or, or a family member to put them on. And, mm-hmm. you know, what was really important. And I think that anyone who wants to get into this industry should understand that clearly that it all comes down to your hard work. And then there's still no guarantee, but there's no hookup. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no shortcut. You know,
1: it's the work. Like, and that's one thing I always try to tell people is like, you think of all the people who spent years and in- Thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars in like acting schools, and you know. So, if you have an opportunity, just be the best you that you could be. Like, think of it from an aspect of going. No one wants to see you make it more than yourself. So, as long as you treat people with the same respect that you you expect from people, in the same way you want to be treated, there's no, there's really no reason for you to worry about somebody else shining. you. Because as long as you, you as long as you're good, I. I Personally, then people don't, if anybody really knows me, they know me. So that I don't business about what you're doing. I got to worry about what I'm doing. Right? We could be cool, but I got to worry about what I'm doing. My kids don't care how I make the money. They don't care about how I make the money. They don't care, but, you know, I, and I always want to be a dude. Like one day, you know, every day, if they ask me for something, I could say yes, but they got to work for it or figure out how we can make a deal to make it so that way your grades are good enough for you to get them.
0: Right, right, right. That's the old West Indian priority- in you coming out there.
1: Yes. But when you prioritize those things, don't, there's nothing, looking at somebody else, Sean, it shouldn't even affect you emotionally. You're just wasting time. Right. And you're just holding your own stuff back thinking like that. Right. Like, do you. And that's why it's a saying called do you. Yes. And Be respectful. Know, know the crap. You can't be sitting across Robert De Niro and talk about, well, I just got hooked up on my homie. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't. You know, they take they still take acting classes. You still they still got acting coaches. Robert De Niro, um, Denzel Washington, like so many people, they they respect the craft so much that they still continue for, to exercise those muscles. So if they can do it, we all got to think to ourselves. Why the hell can't we?
0: Right, right. And on that note, and that on that very poignant note, I want to say thank you so much for. Being a guest in 247 Real Talk and bringing this uh, really entertaining conversation to me and my audience, it was an honor and a pleasure having you. And um, I do wish you, you know, all the best in your upcoming and future endeavors. And I will be looking for you on the big screen.
1: Thank you so much. Man. I really appreciate just having me on this platform. And anytime you want to do it again, follow. Awesome.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again, man. Much
1: appreciated.
0: I want to say a very special thank you to my guest, William Big Sleep Stewart, for sharing An entertainment conversation and some very good information for up-and-coming rappers, artists, and actors. As always, I also want to say thank you to my supporters and audience for your continued support and for making 247 Real Talk Podcast a success. If you'd like to listen to this episode or any of the episodes, of 247 Real Talk, you can do so by using your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to send me a message, if you'd like to send a message for our guests, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can email me at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.